One of the highest profile property law cases of recent years reaches the Supreme Court next week, Fern and others versus Board of Trustees of Tate Gallery, which listeners may recall involves a breach of privacy claim by neighbours to the Tate Modern Gallery complaining about a viewing platform that offers panoramic views of London, but also the opportunity to gaze right into their luxury flats. Here to remind us uh, how the case has travelled through the courts and to look ahead to the final appeal hearing in the matter, I'm joined on this latest episode of On the Case by partner James Souter and associate Megan Davies from Charles Russell Speechley. Great to talk to you both again. Thanks, Hi, Jess. Ready for round three? <laughs> so, plenty has been written and indeed podcasted uh, on this case by this point, um, but a short refresher would probably be be useful. So, can you start by talking us through the story so far. Yeah, I'll, I'll try and keep this as uh, as brief as I can. So in short, this is a dispute relating to the Tate Modern viewing platform on Bankside, which was unveiled in 2016, and the neighbouring luxury apartment building called Neo Bankside. And the viewing platform had in some form been planned since before the Neo Bankside development was constructed. And as built, it permits the public access to about a 360 degree view of London, including from the western and southern parts of the platform, a view of the Neo Bankside development with its floor to ceiling glass wall design. And following its unveiling, the platform has been visited by about 600,000 visitors per year, probably less last year, but that is, um, <laughs> those are the 2019, pre-2019 figures. Um, so some of the residents of the Neobank side development brought a claim against the Tate in respect of the viewing platform, given that they said they were subjected to a vast number of people looking into their living space watching them with binoculars and filming and photographing them on a daily basis. And the residents claimed that the public's use of the western and southern parts of the viewing platform, which overlook their apartments, invaded their privacy and that they had a right to this being protected, either pursuant to Article 8 of the European Convention on Human Rights, which protects private and family life, or the law of nuisance. And so they issued proceedings on the basis that the use of the viewing platform violated their Article 8 rights and that therefore the Tate had breached Section 6 of the Human Rights Act 1998, which requires public authorities or bodies carrying out public functions to comply with the European Convention and that it constitutes a private nuisance for interfering with the claimant's use and enjoyment of their flats. And the claimants wanted the law of nuisance, if necessary, to be extended to protect privacy rights in light of the European Convention on Human Rights, particularly Article 8. And the Tate's argument on this was that there is no common law right to privacy or to not be overlooked. And just briefly on private um, nuisance. So a nuisance is usually caused by a person doing something on their own land, which they're legally entitled to do but which interferes with the use and enjoyment of their neighbor's land. And common examples that you'll see include where something escapes from the land onto the neighbor's land, such as water, noise and pests. And so the claimants sought an injunction requiring the Tate to close part of the viewing platform, which gives views into the claimant's apartments, 
or to erect screening or take other measures to prevent the overlooking by the public of their flats. And so we had the first instance decision in 2019. And in that, the court held that on the breach of Section 6, it said the Human Rights Act doesn't apply to the Tate, um, while the Tate carries out functions which could be considered public, it didn't carry out government functions. So point one didn't succeed. And on private nuisance, in the first instance, it was decided that in the right circumstances, nuisance is capable of protecting privacy rights, at least in a domestic home. And the judge there considered himself to be bridging the gap to existing laws protecting privacy in the home, for example, the Protection from Harassment Act, um, because he considered that, of course, not all invasions will necessarily constitute harassment. Um, he also went on to say that not all overlooking will constitute a nuisance, and it will depend on whether and to what extent there's a legitimate expectation of privacy, which is a consideration closely linked to the give and take principle um, that is considered when you look at whether or not a nuisance is actionable. And in the circumstances, the judge considered a number of factors, of course, including the character of the neighborhood and therefore the reasonableness of the use of a viewing platform in the locality, the purpose of, uh, for which the viewing platform had been erected, and the self-induced, in part at least, sensitivity um, by the residents living in floor-to-ceiling glass apartments which increased their exposure to being overlooked and the Tate's behavior and the fact that they'd already taken steps to limit the exposure to residents. And having considered all of that, the um, judge considered that in the circumstances, there was no actionable nuisance. And obviously you invited us back last year <laughs> for the big court of appeal decision where the court dismissed the residents appeal and held that in light of the overwhelming weight of judicial authority on what can and cannot constitute a nuisance, an invasion into privacy by mere overlooking is not capable of giving rise to a cause of action in private nuisance. And an interesting factor um, in, in last year's decision and how, um, how that came about was that the arguments that succeeded were the ones that the Court of Appeal had suggested the Tate should raise, so that there is no cause of action in private nuisance for overlooking, and it is not right, if necessary, to extend the cause of action for private nuisance in view of Article 8 of the European Convention. So there you go, as short as that could be. Yes, yeah, so the, the, the first instance judge opens the door to this this possibility of, of uh, overlooking, founding a claim in nuisance, but then the Court of Appeal uh, very firmly slammed that door shut. Um, so, I mean, that I imagine is going to be one of the key battlegrounds before the Supreme Court. So here we are, five years at least after the, the viewing platform uh, opened, we, we have finally reached this sort of final stage in the proceedings. So, so how do you think that will be um, fought out before the court? And what do you think uh, some of the other major battlegrounds will be uh, in next week's hearing? I'll have a go at this. And I think <clears throat> first to say, um, Jess, I think this is really exciting times for the law of nuisance. I can feel the winds of change beginning to blow. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, <laughs> and um, and I think what's what's particularly interesting is that I'm on notionally talking for the flat owners today. 
um, and obviously they lost both in the High Court and the Court of Appeal. But the really interesting fact is that they succeeded on each of the two issues they would have to succeed on it between uh, in each forum. So mm. the first instance judge said the law of nuisance um, can extend to overlooking. Court of Appeal said no, it can't. The first instance judge said uh, if the law of nuisance can protect overlooking, this case is not one where it would engage. And the Court of Appeal cast significant doubt on the factual findings he made then. So I've got all the recipes. I just need I just need the <laughs> Supreme Court to side with the first instance judge on on the legal point and, and pick up the Court of Appeals points in terms of the factual issues. But but we'll come back to that. I mean, as you say, the, the key questions for the Supreme Court, and, and that's what, why it's so interesting, is should the law of nuisance be extended? Um, we'll, I think, probably come back to come back to that. A little later, Megan picked up on a point which I think I'm particularly aggrieved on behalf of the flat owners is that both counsel in the Court of Appeal proceeded on the basis that the law of nuisance could um, protect uh, overlooking. And it was the Court of Appeal who shortly before the hearing raised that question and invited submissions. So that's really quite a powerful point in, in terms of, of leading counsel advising both sides had accepted the law of nuisance could, could protect overlooking. And I think actually, Probably a really important point to just get get out there at this stage is the words mere overlooking really uh, don't do justice to what we're talking about. Nobody is saying, not, not even me is saying that mere overlooking can amount to a legal nuisance. What I think is being said is that overlooking, which amounts to an invasion of privacy, in in someone's home and important again in a home not privacy not paparazzi not footballers not super injunctions this is the right to enjoy your home in private so it has it has to be an extent of overlooking that really tips over that barrier so so the concerns that have been raised so that that's the first point i think can it can it can overlooking which amounts to an invasion of privacy um be a legal nuisance that's the first question um again key question is it does do the facts of this case amount to um an invasion of privacy or overlooking that amounts to an invasion of privacy i think a couple of points i'd say just in terms of battlegrounds there were concerns about creating privacy laws and and as i say it's really important to distinguish this is not about privacy it's not about stopping things being published in newspapers that you've done wrong it's about enjoying one's own home. The law of nuisance allows me to stop my neighbour causing noise, allows me to stop my neighbour causing dust and vibration. Um, it allows me to stop my neighbour blocking my light. Why should it not allow me to stop my neighbour overlooking to such an extent that it invades my privacy? Um, I think a point, again, that's caused some discussion to date is concerns that this law, if it's created, could prevent development. Again, I think I've covered that. In, in the majority of cases, overlooking will not amount to a nuisance. You know, building two buildings side by side with windows looking out over the neighbour will not be uh, a, a legal nuisance. It won't engage. It is it is the intensity, Megan said in her opening. We're talking about 600,000 people a year looking into these properties, you know, one and a half thousand a day plus. You know, it's just that intensity. It's it's such an extreme case. Um, so, so I think that's probably the areas I would expect to be discussed mostly before the Supreme Court. Yeah, I, I mean, it is hard 
to imagine a more stark example of, of this of this type of thing. And it's also hard to imagine uh, it really setting much of a, a precedent. And it's not really a, a point that you imagine will come up uh, at this degree very often. But uh, Megan, I imagine uh, you've got some some knockout points uh, on behalf of the Tate that that uh, that that you can uh, come back with uh, and, and undermine James's arguments. Um, I think I think we should have said at the start, Jess, that we we just assumed we were assuming the same roles as um, as last year. So James <laughs> is on the residence side, and I'm on the on the Tate side. So, I mean, I hear everything that James is saying, but I I just think this this comes back to personal annoyance and inconvenience, and we've got other laws that protect us from that. And I think, and this. Um, you know, this goes into what what do I think the Supreme Court is going to do here? And I think they're going to agree with the Court of Appeals findings. You know, it's um, a cause of action in private nuisance protects you from an injury to to land. And it's it's not just about, you know, personal um, discomfort or or annoyance, however extreme it obviously is in this case. Um, but I think there there are other laws that protect us from from in, from such invasions to um, to privacy, and I also think that the Supreme Court will have regard to um, the stance taken by courts over the years when this point has come up. You know that yeah that that nothing prevents a, a party if if someone builds something in their garden just to look into the neighbor's land, build a higher fence. You know that is an option open to you if we're just talking about land obviously it's a bit more difficult if you if you've chosen to live in a glass flat but um if you don't want to be overlooked you, you can do something about that usually if you are a landowner just like your your neighbor has a right to build on um on his or her land and yeah i i don't think there's any basis for an invasion to privacy by overlooking um, being protected by the law of nuisance. I also think they're going to look at the fact that um, this is this is central London, and which I know was um, was discussed in in detail in the first instance um, uh, decision here. The the planning history. You know, you do your due diligence when you buy somewhere. You just do. And if you're going to buy somewhere in, in central London. What are you expecting? I mean, what what discussion would we be having if this was a ground floor glass house and it was built next to the Tate entrance? And so everyone queuing, if there was ever, you know, like a large queue, could look in. I'm not convinced. What do you have to say to that, James? Yeah, I'm 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 champing at the bit. You can see me. Uh, we're obviously <laughs> on video. This is a podcast we're recording, but you can see me. Um, I mean, I think there's so much I could say. We don't, I, I, you know, I don't want to try and not cover old ground. Planning was covered in both uh, High Court and Court of Appeal decision. And if we rely on the planning system to protect our individual rights, we are, um, you know, we're, we're all going to get nowhere. We all know that the planning system uh, is flawed and has very different considerations. And, and the evidence in this case was that there was no clarity in the planning process of the building of um, the, the Tate extension that would indicate to um, the, the, the people constructing the Bankside flats 
that the viewing platform would give such an intensity of overlooking. So, I mean, I dismiss planning. Central London, I've dealt with that. You know, you will have buildings next to you. You will have windows in those buildings. Nobody is saying that that, that would cause a nuisance. What we are saying is the purpose of a platform specifically designed to look out over neighbouring neighboring land it is different and and so but that's not what it was built for it wasn't built so people could look into your bank site it was built for the purpose of looking out but yeah i mean okay so so i so so i take that point but what i do i i come um i don't know jess do you have any more questions or should we just carry on arguing maybe you've got a question <laughs> I'm, I'm i'm happy with you arguing i mean is there a is there a point that that um, you know, a, a 320 degree panoramic view of London would be would be reasonable and, and 40, the 40 degrees that simply just stares at um, the tower building it could be sacrificed. I mean, I think I mean, that I've... sounds like a compromise, you know, but but the the reason why we're having these discussions is obviously that no compromise has been achieved between the parties. That's why that's why this is going all the way to the Supreme Court. Sorry, Megan, I um, I, I interrupted almost. Um, well, I think it's the purpose. The, the purpose of the viewing platform is to view London, not to view uh, these people's flats. So that would be a perfect solution because if that is not the purpose of the viewing platform, then it should not extend to to that that area where where it sits 34 meters from the windows of of the flats, very very close. And 600,000 people a year do nothing other than look into them. I mean, I've, I'm repeating myself. I, I think we're getting an indication that uh, it's going to be a hotly contested uh, hearing before the court. I mean, you, you, you're from the same firm and you have uh, you know, very clearly uh, different views on, on, on this case. So uh, people who are paid to argue the opposite points will, will really be going for it. Uh, but one thing that, uh, that that you get when you get to this level, to Supreme Court level, I mean, uh, the Supreme Court has much greater uh, power to be to be flexible, shall we say? So if if um, you know there's been some concern along the way about new law being created, that is something that that seems more possible at this level than than at previous uh, levels, isn't it? Yes and no, I think, because um, I think even though the Supreme Court obviously has the ability to create new law now that We'll all, have to, we'll all have to follow. Um, I think they also don't just readily dismiss precedent. And I think obviously this is this is an interesting case because of the facts, but it, it all comes back to whether, whether it's actually possible for this to be protected by a cause of action in nuisance. Mm. And that's what I think when you take the extreme facts and just put them to one side, because you first have to consider actually legally does this fall within the remit? And if you say no, which the Court of Appeal has said no, and I think the Supreme Court is going to follow that, um, then you don't get anywhere, even with the extreme facts. I mean, I mean, I think it's a podcast, Jess, but I'm waving a decision here um, just for the benefit of those listening. And, and I accept Megan's point. One, one of my big concerns about um, even up to the Court of Appeal was, you know, am I arguing here for a law that will never be enforced? Um, you know, because these are extreme facts. And I get that because it's not just overlooking. Mere overlooking won't ever be a nuisance. It is the level of overlooking, the level of overlooking that can be. So I, I was wafting here a case from the Oxford 
um, County Court decided last month called um, Fairhurst and Woodard, which many will know as the sort of ring doorbell mm -hmm. case. And, and looking at that, I it, it came to me that here is a very good policy reason. If we need a policy reason, the law has to develop. I appreciate precedent's very important, but the law must develop with the, the developing ways of living and and, and 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 you know working together. And so we're in central London, and you know we've changed the way we live. We now have glass rather than small windows. All of, you know the law has to adapt. The 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 construction of this building was not unreasonable. The Court of Appeal found that very clearly. This is this is normal, you know, normal people living normally in, in a normal home in London. Um, but but this over, overlooking is abnormal. And, and so this this ring doorbell case, I think, gives us a real good reason, because many people around the country will have ring doorbells overlooking their neighbour's property, taking videos of their neighbour's property every time someone walks in front of it. And I think, you know, there will be people around the country thinking, I don't like this very much, like like the claimant, Dr. Mary Fairhurst in, in, in the Oxford County Court, who, who felt that the, the cameras and, and audio recording from her neighbour's property were, were an invasion of her privacy. There was harassment claims. The nuisance claim unfortunately failed because the judge was bound by mm. by the decision we're talking about. But I can see a real imperative there for for the law to develop and and a real mischief at which the Supreme Court could you know direct you know direct their decision. I think that's going to be difficult because obviously the ring doorbell case. James has been excited about this, Jess, um, <laughs> for over a week, showing me this case and saying, "Oh, I'm going to get you." I don't think so, because even that case, you know, obviously there were breaches of GDPR and the Data Protection Act. And I think that's that's where those cases will go. And people will look at the Protection um, from Harassment Act because it's about it's about the person. It's not about the property. And 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 that is it. And, you know, we live in we live in interesting times, don't we? Because on the one hand, Google and social media, by our choice, knows everywhere we go, what we're doing at every minute of every day, who we're with and, and when. But on the other hand, we don't want to be watched by our neighbors, which is, of <laughs> course, fair enough. Because, you know, if if we all had a choice, would we have neighbors? No, absolutely not. You, you'd live somewhere <laughs> on acres and acres of land, but still be... Um, you know, within short commuting distance to a big city, so you don't lose out on everything. But how realistic is that? You know, we we everything is a choice. We choose to live in an urban environment. Development has to happen. James is a big fan of development, actually. You know, tall buildings. Here you go. Um, what what's the effect going to be? What would the effect be if there is if if the law of nuisance is going to cover overlooking and i take your point that it would then just be very extreme cases but but even so i i think it would be i think it's an uphill struggle for the claimants here to convince the supreme court that this should be covered by the law of nuisance i, I see that i mean and I, I think you know the online and now analogies are interesting but completely irrelevant because I submit myself to the internet I, I submit myself I, I, I sign some declarations and laws will develop in those areas genuine privacy laws and different types of laws and data laws this is different and I, I those laws currently don't work for me to protect myself protect the privacy of, of in my home and that's why I think the law of nuisance needs to to develop to do that I don't think so because you choose where you live 
You've chosen where you live. If you don't want anyone to look in, you build a high fence or a wall, you know, <laughs> electronic uh, entry system or something like that. There, there are things you can do. It's a choice. It's like you say, you choose, you choose your online presence. You choose to allow Google to track you. You, you choose all of those things. You choose where you live. You choose to live in central London. There's a price you pay for that. I, I think, Megan, you've just taken yourself down the net curtains rabbit hole. But I, yes, I yeah. was going to say, I mean, um, at, at first instance, there were a couple of things that stood out uh, from Mr. Justice Mann's judgment. There was the delightful phrase you mentioned earlier, Megan, uh, that uh, the claimants had created their self-induced incentive to gaze. But he, he also was very helpful uh, in, in providing a list of, of options for the residents uh, to, to protect themselves from from these uh, visitors to the Tate, which which did include putting net curtains in their in their luxury flats. So, are, are you looking forward to to some of the similar insights that the Supreme Court justices might offer to the residents? <laughs> well, unless the Tate rocks up with a with an expert that's an interior designer and gives us <laughs> some uh, some modern and more fashionable um, options instead of net curtains. I don't think the Supreme Court's going to go there. I think the Court of Appeal was right in in saying, oh, yeah, it's got nothing to do with the self-induced sensitivity. I think, surprisingly, there's a point that Megan and I appear to agree on, um, which in in all other cases of nuisance, there is is no uh, defence to say that the party in receipt of the nuisance should do something to prevent the party causing it from, you know, from from it becoming a nuisance. Uh, so if there's noise, I don't need to put ear defenders on, and and if someone is uh, shining a, a very bright light into the back of my property, I don't need to close my real curtains to stop that causing me a nuisance. No peg on the nose defence to <laughs> noxious smells, that kind of thing. Absolutely. Um, well, this has been fantastic, and I, I have every confidence that we will speak again um, next year uh, when the Supreme Court uh, gives its judgment. Uh, we'll have to see uh, which of the two of you uh, comes out uh, on top on that front. But I, I think po- possibly we have the, the beginnings of a, of, a, of a separate podcast series. I think we should perhaps invite you back to di- discuss other major talking points. Uh, you argue so well. Yeah, thank you, Jeff. And it'll be interesting to see which one of which one of us joins you in January. Which one might not turn up. (laughs) Someone going to flounce away if the the result goes the wrong wrong way. No, uh, James. James usually deals quite well with, um, (laughs) you know, the case going against him. He's not going to have to, Megan. But anyway, thank (laughs) thank you, Jess. Uh, Thank you, and uh, to those at home, you have been listening to On the Case from EG.